Welcome to the PriceBlow podcast powered by pre-workouts. PriceBlow is an online tech and media company that provides nutrition industry news, reviews, and interviews with a heavy emphasis on supplementation and sports nutrition. Our system provides supplement deals and price alerts, but in this podcast, we'll explore all things related to performance optimization, industry happenings, and far more. Thanks for joining us and welcome to PriceBlow. Right, we are back and we are bringing back some old stuff from early 2018 and I'm talking about the time, this is Mike here, this is the time when I interviewed Robert Toller of the Toller Smith LLP law firm in Los Angeles, California and he was the individual, his law firm was the one that was suing enhanced athlete and Tony Huge at the time trying to get SARMs and DMP off the market. So this is a really interesting video slash interview because it's kind of like watching a train wreck happen in the middle of the train wreck. We now know a lot more has happened since then. There's been a bigger postmortem. And ultimately, the SARMs and DMP are no longer on the market from Enhanced Athlete. And it's, it's possibly due to these gentlemen, but also due to some federal enforcement that was happening anyway. So read into it what you want. But at the end of the day, this was an incredibly interesting video we posted on YouTube. You're probably not going to find a more disliked and hated video on our channel. A lot of interesting feedback was given, we'll just say, but there was a lot of crazy things happening at the time. And Robert Tuller goes over a lot of the threats that were made and how crazy this situation can be when you take away what people consider to be their rights. So my, my personal opinion is that I could have done better during this interview. I don't think I was able to fully get out of Robert what he was saying, but also as a lawyer, he has to speak you know, pretty measured as the case was ongoing. So there's there are some challenges there. Uh, but my also opinions are that while I'm not as concerned about you know, with SARMs being on the market, I do want people to actually lab test them and know what they're getting. And that was a big issue when that was going on. I am absolutely fervently against DMP being anywhere near anyone's body. And when you go into business for them, there are even greater risks, especially in the United States of America, where you can get sued and prosecuted by several authorities. And you're kind of going to watch what's going through the lawyer's minds when they're sicked on someone. And it is pretty wild to hear. So I'm happy to present to you Robert Toller of the Toller Smith LLP law firm. And just as a side note, we did a future interview later on that we'll get up here as well. And he came on to give advice to companies that he feels are doing the right things and need a little bit of guidance. And it seems that the uh, law firm has kind of changed its strategy, changed its direction a little bit. They can still fight these types of cases, but I think they want to help the companies that are doing things the right way instead of just fighting and fighting. It, it seems like even for the most crazy of lawyers, you only have so many cases like this that you could do and it's just so draining. It's like that cat's only got so many lives. And so it's been interesting to see the evolution of the law firm. But if you ever have any type of federal issues, let's just say, this is definitely a law firm who knows how it works and they're one to keep in mind. But man, it's this is the kind of guy that I definitely don't think I would want coming against me because he knows so much about all of these regulations. Welcome to Priceful, everyone. My name is Mike, and I'm the founder. And with me today is a very special guest, Robert Toller of Toller Smith LLP. And cutting to the chase, Robert, 
You are the one who represents Nutrition Distribution LLC, who is suing Enhanced Athlete, Iron Mag Labs, and a whole bunch of other steroid suppliers and different supplement companies uh, that your client believes is uh, doing wrong. So uh, welcome to the show, and we're really interested to hear your side of the story, get a little bit about your background, but kind of hear like what is going on with this whole Enhanced Athlete case. Thanks a lot for having me, Mike. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, tell us about like a little bit how you got into this, maybe just a touch on your degree and then like, yeah, how you got into this whole crazy ordeal and then let's just kind of roll right into the story from start, from start to right now. I must say right now it is February 13th, 2018. Uh, so there's been some critical things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, which we will get to, but I kind of like to start from the, uh, from the beginning, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I got into the industry because I had a client who had a problem. And they had released a product, they were in this space, and it turns out that a competitor released a product that turns out was spiked with amphetamines. Hmm. The client believed at the time that it was unfair because they had launched at the same time, but for that happening, uh, obviously when you deal with adulterants like methamphetamine, in a, or pardon me, amphetamines in a pre-workout, uh, typically the consumers are drawn to that product because when you have powerful effects like in a drug, it's com comparatively speaking, a natural product is not going to be a strong period. So what happened in that case was you had this very powerful pre-workout product and you had competitors that simply couldn't compete with that. Right, and am, that, I willing to, am I allowed to take a guess on this pre-workout here? Sure. <laughs> yeah, driven sports craze, is this what you're, how you got started in this? That was the first case that I had I had done. I can't really talk about that case. That's fine. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Anyone who's followed this channel probably knows the the a lot of the saga there. So that's kind of that's how you began with the the whole supplement industry, and then um, nutrition distribution found you from there. Or yeah, that was the first case, and then we recognized that this was happening on a on a pretty large scale, and that uh, there were other individuals who were taking market share with respect to other products. So. Not only stimulants, but pro hormones and other bodybuilding drugs, and many different iterations of uh, DMAA uh, and other stimulants. Mm -hmm. right. uh, they typically fall into two categories: those that uh, build are intended to build muscle, mm -hmm. and those that are intended to be stimulants. But both are effectively synthetic drugs that don't belong in a nutritional supplement as it's defined by law. Okay, and so a lot of people right off the bat are going to be asking, like, uh, is that it's not your job to decide that, is it? Like, this is an FDA thing. You are you don't work for the government, do you? Well, that's right, absolutely not. And I'm very thankful of that fact because they have a very hard job, and they have a big mandate. Uh, however, it's important to understand that I work for clients, and clients hire me to do a job, and the job that I've been asked to do in many of these cases is to is based on false advertising of these products. And it becomes a very serious issue because you take pro-hormones, for instance. Mm -hmm. These are products that are synthesized to basically get an end around uh, illegal s steroids and are created for the purpose of having the exact same effect as steroids. However, they're an attempt to just kind of get around the laws. The problem here is that these products have profound effects on individuals and the cons and the companies that are selling them 
don't disclose these serious effects. So with prohormones, for example, they have incredibly serious effects on your liver, more so than anabolic steroids, because uh, there's an extra step. Your liver has to break them down. And a lot has been said about whether I'm just, you know, gone rogue or something like that soon, people, you know, that's really not the case. Uh, like I said, I, I work for people. It's not, a lawyer just doesn't have the right to sue people uh, just because he feels like it. It's, it's, that's just not the way it goes. But uh, you have products like this and you have manufacturers and distributors and retailers that are not, just not telling people. They're saying, okay. hey, look, this product, it's, uh, it's totally normal and it's going to give you great gains. And they don't even bother to mention the fact of what the product is and the negative effects. Now, uh, I could care less if people take whatever drug they feel like on their own if they're informed, but the problem is being a competitor, when someone is doing that, they're gaining an unfair advantage by putting, while putting consumers in harm's way, and that's a really serious problem for the marketplace. Okay, so that, that kind of brings me into a question that I was gonna ask is like, really, what? Still, what gives you the right to sue someone else? What gives your client the right to want to sue someone else over their own business if they don't have a pro hormone? Like, uh, and it seems like it's some sort of anti-competition thing. Is uh, and I, you know, I've read about the Lanham Act a little bit. That's what seems to come up a, a whole lot. Is that where this is going? Is it due to anti-competition? That's, under the Lanham Act, which is a statute we we sue under most of the time, uh, all you have to do is demonstrate a that your commercial interests have been negatively impacted. And even if you're selling creatine or protein powder, mm -hmm. you're selling a bulking agent, and uh, that's the same marketplace for people who are taking poor hormones. Now, there may be people taking poor hormones who know exactly what they're taking and uh, know exactly what protein powder is, but our argument is not quite that simple. Our argument is that by having this gray market based they're affecting the marketplace as a whole, a lot of these customers that are targeted are often young men. Uh, some of them are not even 18. And when they're negatively impacted by these products, uh, there's a tendency for them not to enter the marketplace at all. Moreover, a lot of the negative impacts that these products have are not seen until later on in life. So you're talking about chronic liver damage. And while something like pro-hormones may increase your muscle mass, it increases all of your muscle mass. So you have enlarged hearts, you have heart problems, that don't arise typically until middle age. And so it's a, it's a big public health crisis, but for our purposes in terms of these lawsuits, it's negatively impacting the marketplace as a whole. And the idea is that people who wanna create mar uh, bulking agents shouldn't have to compete with people selling illegal products. Pe uh, people should have a level playing field and should be able to all be on the same terms with regard to what they can sell. It shouldn't be a system where some people, if they hide their tracks, or some people, if they want to take the risk of federal law enforcement, will get away with selling certain products, and other people who don't want to take that risk can't have a company. Okay. That's just not fair. Right. Uh okay, so everyone knows we had to move a couple times to get a better signal, but Robert, uh, you keep mentioning pro-hormones, but everyone here is uh, most likely listening because of the enhanced athlete lawsuit and they're known for selling SARMs and pro-hormones. So can you explain, I'd love to hear from a lawyer's perspective, uh, why you believe SARMs to be illegal, even if like maybe there might not be specific laws on the book against them, or at least why you think that you're 
client can successfully sue over SARMs when there's really, there kind of seem to be in that legal gray area and uh, maybe even discuss what this whole research chemical thing is as well. Sure, that's a lot That's a lot to unpack, but I'll start with, with SARMs and the basis of our lawsuits, which are not based on the legality or illegality of SARMs. In fact, a little bit about the history of SARMs. They were developed in the 80s, for the most part, by large pharmaceutical companies to treat muscle wasting disease and de degenerative disease diseases like osteoporosis and certain forms of cancer. The idea behind SARMs is that you can't, it, these uh, patients are having their muscles uh, degenerate and it's a way to stimulate muscle growth in patients who don't, ex who don't have the ability to exercise um, and to limit the adverse side effects of steroids. They're much different in the way they act on the body and the side effects are still unstudied. Um, it's really an open question uh, what the true side effects are with respect to some of the SARMs. They know exactly what some of the side effects are. For example, with carterine, uh, it was shown to develop uh, cancer rapidly in rats uh, and to the point where the pharmaceutical company and your audience may have their viewpoints on the pharma, on big pharma uh, the pharmaceutical company said, we got to stop this right away. This is uh, no good. We'll never get uh, approval to even test this in humans. Mm -hmm. And to see that co-opted and basically hijacked by unscrupulous companies in the supplement industry who then turn around, take this product, which they didn't develop, they don't own, and to turn around and, and sell it for a purpose that's not intended and knowing full well the side effects is a pretty dramatic thing to have happen. So the basis of our lawsuit is not whether they're legal or illegal to sell in certain ways, but that these people, uh, but that these companies are selling these products, not telling, not informing their consumers the true side effects. They don't have any sort of credentials to do so. Uh, and they're laughing all the way to the bank. Meanwhile, their victims are having profound side effects, some of which are short-term, some of which are long-term. You know, it's not like you develop cancer the very next day, but in middle age, this is when these neg negative side effects really come to bear because you've done so much harm uh, to your body. Now, it's totally different when someone is taking testosterone. They know full well what's going on. Not, a, not what we're targeting at all. What we're saying in our lawsuits is you need to tell these people what, what you're doing by hiding these facts or by misrepresenting them completely. Uh, you're having a really negative impact on the industry as a whole and on our competitive rights to participate in the marketplace. Right, but would you consider yourself in the same, or would you consider your clients to be in the same marketplace given that uh, these products are kind of, they're marketed, see this is where the whole research chemical thing comes in. They're not marketed as supplements. Your client is a supplement company and they're, uh, they're, they're, they're marketed as research chemicals and quote unquote, not for human use. So what's your take on that whole uh, side of the story? That's a distinction without a difference. I mean, in order to sell a research chemical, my understanding is you have to get clearance from the DEA, not the FDA, mm -hmm. uh, for products that are controlled and that's not happening here. And I hear time and time again that it's a loophole or it's a gray area. It couldn't be more black and white. Uh, you need to register these chemicals when you sell them with the DEA. You know, this is not what we do here. We don't, uh, I don't uh, communicate with law enforcement with respect to uh, who's registered their chemicals or anything like that. Mm -hmm. 
but the argument that uh, they're somehow legal because it's a, it's a gray area could not be more false. Uh, they are they're even more controlled because of their dangers. They're treated the same as if you're doing tests on uh, Xanax or something like that, and you need to uh, paper it up, and only certain people that are approved by the council, by uh, the administrative body, are allowed to even handle these products. And so they've really, it, it's not, it's completely made up, in my opinion, the research uh, chemical argument. And so once you get past that, um, you, you can't just, you know, put lipstick on the pig and say, look, this is, this is totally different. Um, our argument is that they are targeting this very same customers, which is young bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. That would, And we have products that are intended to uh, increase muscle mass and have the same effects, uh, except that we use natural ingredients and uh, ingredients that are compliant with federal laws, and they're targeting the same uh, customers. And that's really the idea, this, the same market. Uh, whether or not it is the same exact product and the same mechanism is not important with respect to the laws that we uh, prosecute these com companies under. Okay, so one of the issues that I, I think a lot of people have come up with is that you know SARMs have kind of been known about, like you said, since the '80s. I've read articles like back in the like the Lance Armstrong days. I'm not saying he did it, but like back then, that's when uh, they were started to be touted as the future of like this is what the Olympians are using now, and this is eventually what will be what the uh, you know cheaters elsewhere start to use later on, and that is indeed kind of what happened. If they've been known for that long, it's it almost seems like. Uh, the FDA didn't care, or they only cared uh, once you kind of forced their hand to care or whatever. So it's like, if the FDA doesn't care, why should anyone else? It just doesn't seem like, uh, it doesn't seem like there was enough importance to them. Can you speak on, I know you can't speak on their behalf, but can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Of course, I, I can only speculate uh, with respect to regulatory bodies because I'm not involved with that. Mm -hmm. um, the FDA is a very large organization and they have certain priorities. As you know now, it's the opiate crisis. Uh, right. 20 years ago was the war on drugs. And so when they're presented with problems like this, they certainly take action, as you noted, but it's not an investigatory priority from what I can tell in that they're not you know, thumbing through uh, bodybuilding websites trying to determine who's selling a drug because it's just not a, not a priority for them. They have limited resources, everyone knows that, and uh, they will take action when there is when someone is being overt or, or when it's brought to their intention. Of course, they have a their duty bound to uphold the laws. So of course, they have to take action when uh, confronted by wrongdoing. And uh, I think there's a growing uh, awareness on the part of the FDA that this is uh, a large public health crisis in the making, uh, much like tobacco was in the 50s. Probably not the same scale because right. the market's smaller, but mm -hmm. Uh, in terms of the effects that we're going to see in 10 or 20 years from the young men who are taking this, um, I think it's it's a very serious concern, and I think they're starting to recognize that, and they're starting to get funds appropriated uh, to combat uh, this marketplace. Gotcha. But, so uh, at this point, one more thing there: yeah. uh, the Supreme Court in 2014. This is the U.S. Supreme Court. Justice Kennedy, who's a Reagan appointee. Uh, wrote an opinion called Palm Wonderful, and it basically mm -hmm. gave the impetus for many of our lawsuits, and it said that the FDA is not in a position to police marketplaces like 
the bodybuilding industry. Now, that case had nothing to do with the bodybuilding industry, but it basically said a regulatory agency sitting in Washington, they may have no idea about the industry, but competitors are uniquely placed in that they know what people are trying to get away with and they have a sense of what's fair and not fair. And it basically uh, widened the door further for lawsuits like the ones we bring. Right. Yeah, we actually saw that. Um, we have an article way back then that we kind of called like when. So I, the way I'm going to quickly explain this is that Palm Wonderful has their pomegranate juice. Coca-Cola, I believe, was trying to put out like whatever they called a pure, pure pomegranate juice. And Palm Wonderful is like, wait, no way. Ours is pure. Yours isn't. And they tried to sue over someone else's label. And, the, you know, Coca-Cola said, no, you can't do that. That's the FDA's you know, job or whatever, FTC's job, whoever. And uh, the Supreme Court then decided that actually, yes, one company can sue another company for unfair competition uh, over that other over that other company's label. Is that kind of correct? Like, did I? There are many issues with that litigation. Palm Wonderful has been very active litigating these cases, um, but that's the gist of that case that I referenced, right? And that, so then, then that kind of opened the door for these supplement company to supplement company type of lawsuits, and that's where we are now with nutrition distribution coming after a lot of a lot of these people now. Um, at this point, though, so there's a lot of the users uh, of like an enhanced athlete who are going to say, listen, you know, I've done the research. OK, I'm not using carterine, but I, I've done the research and I do want to use this stuff uh, and I know what I'm doing and I'm willing to take the risk. Why won't you let me have this? And what was well, your response to be to that? My response would be primarily that uh, it's not my job to eliminate products from the marketplace. It's not what we're doing with these lawsuits. Um, they're false advertising lawsuits. And so. I think the narrative has been hijacked by people who don't want to even uh, consider the ramifications of what they're doing and come to a reasonable compromise. I think as competitors, there needs to be a recognition of the impact their actions are taking in the marketplace and to reach a resolution with, with respect to how they can change their marketing to better uh, illustrate what exactly they're doing and the effects that they're having on their customers. So it's not a question of, uh, anyone trying to gallop in on a white horse and uh, control someone's ability to harm themselves if they're willing to do that. I'm perfectly happy <laughs> uh, with people uh, doing that, uh, it, it, living in a, in a free country. If they want to do that, uh, then that's perfectly fine with me. And if they harm themselves, then it's their own fault. Uh, we can talk about the secondary effects that might have on our health care system. But right. again, it's beyond, far beyond uh, what I've been hired to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the, the real issue here is the deception uh, taking place, the, the feeling that they've been given that it's us, that certain companies have, have given to their consumers that uh, this is a challenge to freedom and whatnot, and we have every right to take people's inventions and sell them for profit on our own. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a preposterous position, and unfortunately, they haven't even been – uh, stopped by their own counsel. Uh, they haven't been uh, counseled to uh, companies that, that are in the situation should obtain lawyers and, and try to uh, negotiate a resolution, in my opinion. And when they don't, I think it's it's a bad idea because, uh, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, how are you going to, in my mind, these cases are very strong and it's not like uh, you're going to win the case or something. Uh, you know, anything can happen, of course, but you saw with Iron Mag uh, Labs, for example, there was a, a motion to dismiss that was granted and was just reversed now. And mm-hmm. so now we're back to square one. So um, I would I would urge those companies to to 
retain competent lawyers to who could advise them. Uh, our objective is not to destroy companies. Our objective is not to ruin anyone's life or ruin anyone's livelihood, as oftentimes these people describe. Uh, my personal objectives, I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth. However, if it's a choice between uh, damaging people's lives that are innocent and you, because you want to make money and you don't care, then I'd rather them get in trouble than uh, put people in harm's way, quite frankly. But again, this is not my not my role here. Um, I think uh, I think it's very, the facts are pretty clear for everyone involved, um, and it, there's a there's a campaign of miscommunication out there uh, that is intended solely for these companies to continue raking in profits until they are made to stop, and that's wrong. And part of the reason I'm here today is to share our side of the story. Right. And to share our perspective with respect to why these cases are important. Right. It, it's, it's obvious that uh, the other side of the story is clearly very loud here on YouTube. So um, I welcome you. Thank you for being on our channel to talk about it. So uh, this brings us into like, I want to get into the saga of, of enhanced athletes. So it seems like your client wanted to, to sue them over you know, the unfair competition and all that stuff. Uh, were, were you willing to settle or is this just you're out for blood at this point? Like what um, I guess start from the beginning, like how this whole enhanced athlete lawsuit came to be from your perspective and why it's gotten to the crazy levels that it has now. And uh, for everyone who hasn't been following, I'd like you to like, kind of like walk us through some of these craziness that's happened. And I definitely have uh, and you've already alluded to some of the things in that that last statement of yours talking about getting competent lawyers and everything. And uh, just to, to tease the viewers, uh, there's, I'm going to, I'm going to read some stuff that I printed up. We have like some lawyer to lawyer trash talk. In fact, like what, what I call trash talk at least. And so things seem to have gotten intense here. And, uh, and so let's like, kind of like walk, well, how did this case start? And how did it get to the point where I'm, I'm considering, where I see on the record, you kind of trash talking, uh, yeah, another lawyer. Like, well, how, what happened? Well, unfortunately, I can only talk about what's in the public record. Right. I can't opine on my own feelings or emotions or anything like that or speculate as to what they're feeling. Um, but I can tell you it started not unlike other cases we filed. And um, at, at a certain point, uh, and this is all part of the public record, they uh, rejected our demand. Now, I was I – was What was your demand? I was contacted for I can't share that. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, I was contacted first, as typically is the case, uh, by opposing counsel, and you know, typically we go back and forth, and we try to reach a resolution that incorporates a changing to the marketing or, or the elimination of certain products and a monetary component. And uh, in this particular case, it just it, it completely fell apart. And the day it fell apart uh, was when uh, Enhanced Athlete decided to. Uh, harass me and my colleagues at my law firm and you know if there's anyone you you don't want to harass it's someone who has a law firm you know it's just a bad idea and I don't know why they did it and it, it was, I think everyone agrees it was a bad idea so are you but talking course, about uh, are you talking about the newsletter that they sent out where uh, t titled enhanced enhanced athletes sued freedom under attack sent on September 17th 2017 that's the one, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit from this just so the readers see. Uh, so this stuff is public record uh, because, first off, there's a newsletter that was sent to the public, but also because it's been submitted as evidence in your case. And so this is kind of when the wheels came off is kind of what you're saying. Uh, they, they refused to settle. They said they, they sent out this email, and it was titled, uh, 
Yeah, like I said, enhanced athletes sued, freedom under attack, and then the, you know, the subheading, enhanced athletes' existence in peril. And so, greetings, they talk about all this stuff, talk about Tyler and Smith, uh, the law firm that failed to win against Iron Mad Glabs last year. And so, here, here's a, a quick piece I want to read. Here is a quick background. Robert Toller, a Harvard graduate, read one percenter, has, de- has decided that the FDA is not doing their job well enough and or his interpretation of what a research chemical is should supersede what has long been accepted by society over the past several decades. And due to a combination of greed and malice, they go on and on, um, kind of starting to trash talk you there. And so where things start to get a little crazy is it seems like, and I would like your legal perspective of this, but there's the legal way of interpreting this, and then there's the, 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 the layman's way of interpreting this, but they're basically telling or suggesting that there's a possibility that their fans can harass you. Um, and so what they said is, I recall a friend of mine who was getting sued once uh, for an equally baseless claim. He was successful in convincing the plaintiff and the plaintiff's attorney to back down entirely because his fans crippled both ab- both's ability to conduct business. Of course, we are not saying you should do this, as that would be illegal. I am legally allowed to tell you what he did and the effect it had, and then you can come to your own conclusions. What you do from here is your own decision. And then they go on and show different examples of how past cases lawyers have been harassed through fax machines, melting down your fax machine, jamming your phone lines, a DDoS attack on your website, which is some serious stuff right there, Um, emails asking legitimate questions and making valid statements, showing up at the physical address, and and then later on, we need as much information as you can discover. Nothing is so small as, or, ins, or insignificant. Girlfriends or wives' names, places of employment, phone numbers, addresses. Like, that's personal. Like, that's, that's not, we're no longer talking business to business. We're getting wives involved in everything. Like, uh, that was a newsletter sent out to, what, 100,000 people, tens of thousands of people? And, and so you have evidence showing that people did come at you, and I'd like to kind of hear about that. Yeah, well, it's very serious, you know, uh, it's a very serious it's a, it's a crime and we've alleged it's a crime it's solicitation of harassment it's extortion is it though because he's saying this is just what happened in the past we're not suggesting yeah, you do this again like you can't <laughs> you can't put a touch of lipstick on a pig and just call it something else okay it's just, just look at the legal the legal side of that yeah people are you know you can like you do things and just add an asterisk at the end and, and it's okay no it's not the way things work i mean people look at substance over over this coded language and it was a huge mistake and you know I can it was terrifying at the time right uh, and, and still it's it's you know you have uh, individuals who are passionate about uh, their brand for whatever reason mm-hmm. and it's very scary and I had to take steps to protect myself in terms of security in terms of uh, I had to get a restraining order against mr. Cavell I had to no, file mr. a lawsuit Cavell, who is that that's the CEO of enhanced athletes apparently yeah, apparently yeah as well, far as we'll go that's into what, that that's who they've said as the CEO uh, against uh, – I had to sue uh, Anthony Hughes. I had to sue Enhanced Athlete to, to make it stop. And, and those because, are separate lawsuits. This is you as your separate, law firm suing them like correct. personally almost or whatever. Wow. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I haven't looked up those documents, but I get the yeah. idea from this. I'm represented by counsel on that, so I can't talk about it too much gotcha. obviously. But uh, based on that harassment, you know, I have rights as well. Right. And you just – you can't harass – anyone, but uh, particularly sensitive is someone who's an officer of the court, and you know, I'm not saying I'm great or I'm better than any, anyone else, but because of our role, we, we, we represent people. And it's important that we have, that the integrity of the system is protected in that you can't just have rogue people 
sending people to your office, trying to put nails in your parking lot, going after your wives, going after personal information, publishing your, your uh, personal information is very serious and, and it had a very serious effect and, and it didn't stop until we got a restraining order. Did fans of an enhanced athlete or people show up at your office? Were there nails uh, put in your parking lot? I can't talk about the details like that yet, unfortunately. Okay, okay. okay. But, you know, basically what I can share with you is what's what's been publicly filed. Um, and my lawyer would kill me if I shared some of those details. And, you know, it's in, in the end, it's not important to our discussion here today. Right, okay. But yeah, things, okay, so yeah, but things started spiraling out of control here. And yeah, so this kind of, um, let me see what else has happened here. There, you know what, there is one fan mail I did want to read, though, uh, if you don't mind. And so, um, dear sir, madam, so they're basically, they, they're kind of telling them to email you and everything. And Thomas Coos sent, Dear Sir Madame, at the earliest age when I saw a wet paint sign, I had to touch the paint to see if it was wet. When it got stopped at the stoplight in the middle of the night, there's no cars coming, and the light is red, I go. I don't think I'm putting anyone in harm's way, and I'll just take the consequences. And I highlighted this. It's unfortunate to see that in a free society, people believe that we are unable to make an adult informed choice about what we do with our bodies when we are causing no harm to anyone else. Please ask Mr. Toller to reconsider this case. P.S. Take some DMP. You're probably all obese. And I was like, okay, out of all the emails I read, that one was the actually at least one that I found interesting. The rest of them were just rife with misspellings and kind of like made me concerned that these people possibly aren't doing as much research or the people who are willing to come at you uh, were the, uh, the lesser intelligent variety at least. But I thought that one was interesting because it still gets back to I think that the hardcore base really wants to, you know, um, do their thing and be left alone. And I guess sure. we've already covered that a little bit, but that, that will always, that, again, that's not my job. Right. Um, my job is, uh, with respect to certain cases and certain companies. And, uh, we all know the way the market dynamics work. These products will probably be available in some form or another, uh, as long as there's a financial incentive for companies to do it. And, you know, I have a, a law firm of 10 people and it's not our cause to eliminate all these products uh, from the marketplace. If I was, you know, a billionaire and took up the cause, like that might be a different thing. But uh, that's just not what we do. Uh, and at, at some point, the DA may may take a an increased role. It's just not part of what we're doing here. What we're trying to do is uh, really rectify some of the communi commercial communications that have been made with respect to these products and uh, make the marketplace more fair for everyone and we're the ones doing it but i believe that there are a lot of other people that benefit from it i don't think you should you should have to uh consider breaking the law or risking fda enforcement action uh, just because you want to start a supplement company mm -hmm. and if, unfortunately that's a situation uh that uh, has been the status quo for a very long time and as a commercial lawyer my focus is on the ability of honest companies uh, to be able to enter the marketplace without having to break the law. And I think that's really important. Uh, now, the criminal stuff or eliminating it, it's really not my province. It's not something we do. Um, so I don't know where they're getting it from. Uh, I don't know. Well, I understand why someone would want to frame it in those terms to uh, create a clear villain. Mm -hmm. Tell you that it's, it's not effective and it's misplaced. Okay. And so... Uh I want to take a, a backward step just for a second, though. Like Osterine, for instance, the SARM Osterine. I like to kind of evaluate these things on a SARM by SARM basis. Like not all of it, anything is 
you know, there's no absolutes, but um, Osterine is, is patented by GTX. So why isn't G, can you speak at all to why GTX didn't get involved uh, earlier on or did they, it, you know, it, it, it seems like maybe this should have been their job. Well, GTX is, uh, was involved in the Iron Mag appeal. They filed an amicacura brief, which means basically a third party friend of the court brief. That's Latin for friend of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and they filed a brief saying, hey, everyone, we're currently developing this drug because we've submitted it as a new drug. You can't sell it as a supplement. And you know, I think the court uh, took that into consideration. Um, whether they have a role in future cases remains uncertain. But uh, to answer your question why they haven't taken a, an increased role, it's very difficult to speculate. Uh, we're talking about big supplement companies, um, and you're talking about a product that may not be important for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the more sinister comments I've read on online indicate that they're getting free guinea pigs, which is kind of a <laughs> – it's a sad way to look at it, but um, it's one perspective. Many. Uh, uh, and it's – at the end of the day, it's not affecting the – I think they – it's important to them because it may affect their – ability to conduct clinical trials right if you have people that are getting hurt by this stuff it's going to be a PR nightmare for them uh, but uh, in terms of the target market again they're selling it to people with degenerative diseases not healthy uh, bodybuilders so it's not taking away market share uh, it's providing some form of uh, uh, evidence but I think when they're going to step in is when it really reaches a level of abuse where it starts to impact their commercial interests, their ability to conduct these trials. And so if there are deaths from Osterine that are well publicized, I think they're going to take an increased role. And I I think they've already started to police their patent and things like that. But again, I'm not fully informed on that issue. Gotcha. And so I want to get back to enhanced athlete and so the wheel started coming off, and it started with that crazy newsletter and everything. You had to do, you know, take some some uh, steps on your own. Maybe you had to take some time to to deal with that. And then onto the case, it seems like there was a lot of questions over uh, doctor. I'm not sure if he's a doctor or not. It doesn't seem like Doctor Tony Hughes. And so uh, whether or and so it seems like you were trying to summon summon him to court uh, for a deposition, and he's now in Thailand. And the and Cavell and the rest of the company is saying that he's actually not a member of the company, but he kind of represents himself as a CEO. Like, what what the hell's going on with all that? And is he in the company? Is he a founder? Or do you know? Like, are you able to pull that paperwork, or does it matter? What what, what is going on? <laughs> well, federal law says you can be compelled for deposition if you are a managing agent, and the law is very liberal on that. If you control one aspect of the company, you're a managing agent. And in this case, I think it's crystal clear that uh, Mr. Hughes uh, controls the marketing apparatus. I don't think that's there's any real dispute there. Right. Uh, there, there are scores of videos uh, with him directly selling these products. They took the position that he was never part of the company, that he was never a founder, and never affiliated with the company, and does all this stuff for free, and doesn't get any money from it. And I'm sorry to laugh, but it's 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 totally ridiculous if you know. Uh, if you know, you know the the marketing materials that are out there, it's just a ridiculous position. And what the judge said was, uh, he's a managing agent. Thanks for coming. And that was recent. Uh, that was like last week or so, uh, last, early February, kind of. 
last Thursday, the judge said he has to appear within 60 days. Appear in court or appear for a deposition or? Appear for a deposition. Okay. And so basically, yeah, so it's been established that he's at least enough part of the company that he needs to appear and everything. Right. Uh, but well, well, here's the here's the thing. I mean, he says on all of the evidence we submitted, he says he's a founder. He says he's CEO. He even says that uh, in one post that he created the mission statement, mm -hmm. which includes, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, truth, honesty, and the American way, or something like that. Right. Um, and so for him, he's either lying to his audience or he's lying to the court. Is my is my is, is the takeaway here. Right. And so the court has ordered him to appear for deposition, which of course I think is something he probably doesn't want to do. And so that that's still ongoing. Um, and we'll see what happens. Okay. And so he's currently in Thailand and I have a couple of emails. So this is where you, it seems like you're starting to have some issues with his legal counsel and and this is where it gets like even to me more interesting because, you know, we, we don't really ever get to go behind the curtain and see what lawyers say to other lawyers. You know, we get to see what lawyers like yourself say to someone like me or, you know, what you say on, on the record uh, for. Uh, like, give me a second. What you say on the record to, you know, to a, a video here or whatever, but uh, to the courts. But I, I see some funny, interesting emails here. And so you're talking to uh, I believe his name is Damon Mershoff of. You know, I don't have his law firm here, uh, but I think he's counsel for for enhanced athlete, and and I'm high, I highlighted this. I'm going to share some of these PDFs because this is all kind of public record. But uh, you said I am informed Mr. Hughes has moved to Thailand permanently. I would send you his recent snaps, but they are NSFW, not safe for work. Parentheses. He is truly a disgusting human being, by the way. Some of the snaps show Mr. Hughes in the immigration office where he says he is moving to Thailand permanently. We will be seeking to serve him through the Hague Convention. Um, and then, so I want to talk about that because it sounds like he's not coming back from like what I'm gathering, but I don't know the man, of course. Um, and then, so you go on and you say, it must feel bad to defend such scumbags, but you are making it worse on yourself by helping them avoid service. Now, this is you saying this to another lawyer. It appears you are now trying to spin your aiding and abetting as a positive thing for these depositions, uh, and then you go on, as an aside, it's funny how these guys act so tough to their followers, but in reality, they are totally scared of me. Mr. Hughes even told the newspaper he wanted to come to office and confront me. Now he is running with his tail between his legs, hiding behind his lawyers and his uh, other criminal co confederates uh, so he can keep selling his pesticide weight loss drugs to kids. What a disgrace. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, that's, so that's what you see when you have lawyers talking to each other, apparently. Um, but yeah, so he's in Thailand. It seems like he's going to stay there. Are you going to go after him? Do you, how badly do you need him in court to win this case? Well, if he, I, I think if he, first I'd like to comment on that. Um, I think that email was sent at a time when the harassment was taking place right. and stuff like that. Let me get the it's date. Not, um, it's not right. something I'm particularly proud of it's not something it's not the way lawyers talk it's not the way lawyers are supposed to talk it isn't okay <laughs> but because the, because this has gotten personal um you know it's been kind of no holds barred with them in, in certain instances and I, I don't think it's going to be that way anymore okay because at the end of the day i think the lawyers have to make some sense out of uh parties that are often angry at each other and so if the attorneys are angry at each other then it's just not going to work so i really regret making comments like that, but they're born out of my frustration at, you know, my feelings at the time. And at the end, you know, I'm only human too. Uh, and, you know, I, I really regret it, but 
you know, that's that's just uh, that's inside baseball at at its peak for sure. And you know, there there are emails back and forth with everyone, and, and sometimes that's the way things go in our profession, and and it's tough, and, and that's just the way it is. But certainly, it's not something I'm proud of. Uh, but with respect to uh, uh, Mr. Hughes' deposition, uh, my, I believe he has to. He's, there's a court order for him to appear, and if not, there's going to be consequences. He'd be in contempt of court, and so that that's something that would have to play out on its own. I don't I don't know exactly how uh, if that were to happen exactly what our position would be, and I, I you know obviously can't share our, our strategic imperatives. Um, I can, yeah. So, but okay, so uh, but. And yeah, I'm not sure if it goes to strategy, but are there ways to get someone back from Thailand? Or at that point, you're just, well, I mean, I need them. Like, okay, let's say he doesn't come back from Thailand. I'm going to assume that's going to happen. And the, what happens then? Would the case potentially be forfeited? Uh, do they default on everything? Do you, so, what do you get? Right. If, if uh, the other side doesn't produce witness, the judge has a lot of discretion what they can do. Okay. They can order monetary sanctions. They can order, uh, evidentiary sanctions which basically says you're right with this issue or there's a lot they could do they could even do something that's called terminating sanctions which basically says you win the case so um certainly we would seek the the full array of uh, available remedies should uh, mr hughes elect not to uh, follow the court's order uh, but again i can't opine on how exactly that's going to play out I, I don't know i hope he i hope he follows the court order Right, right. And then, okay, but otherwise it is a judge's decision, really. There's nothing, like, specifically on the books. Um, okay, and so another email that you sent to their lawyer. So it's, it's they stopped taking certain forms of payment, and now they're only taking, like, Bitcoin, Ethereum. And so you seem to, to be saying to the to the other lawyer again, uh, in case you haven't realized, an enhanced athlete will stop paying you in a couple of months if they haven't already. And a couple of months after that, that you will you'll ask the court to be subbed out. We will oppose it, of course, citing your email where you stated you wanted to quote get paid, which will look very bad for you. So, is are you are you are you guessing? Like, it, first off, it seems like they're converting a lot of their money to Bitcoin, so it's like I'm not sure if anyone's ever going to really see that money as it is. But are you starting to, to think that the, the the opposing legal counsel should not be going this far? Like, if and if you had if you had this kind of client, what would you've done? Oh God, if I had a client like this, um, I. There are a lot of things I would have done differently, I think, but you know I can't really get into that. Um, mm -hmm. The problem is, it's very hard to get out of a case once you represent a company because a company needs counsel, right? And you can't just leave because they haven't paid you. Um, I know really? uh, based on based on the public record, they've already been paid a substantial retainer, um, and I'm sure they've gone through they've probably gone through that already. Um, and I think at some point. Well, who knows what's going to happen? It's really that email you read was just, again, just, uh, just lawyers being lawyers, I guess. And and it's again, it's it's what we what we play largely is is a game where uh, we try to uh, exert leverage on each other. And, and you know, the particular language I used, uh, pro I probably wouldn't use again. But um, uh, bottom line, I think there's the there's there's a lot of the the case is going to be very interesting moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think there's, I think there should maybe a follow up to this video. Well, <laughs> all right. So, but yeah, what has happened even more recently is the CEO who we believe is the CEO of Enhanced Athletes, Scott Cavell, got arrested. Is that correct, or has he only been arrested correct. on paper? Is he? 
So What's the, story? Uh, the story is on uh, he there was a warrant for his arrest based on parole violations, which included uh, the sale of misbranded drugs. Again, that's been lost by the shuffle and been been hijacked. So they got him for, and this is all public record. His parole officer, when they raided uh, the enhanced athlete facility, mm-hmm. city shut it down, and Mr. Cavell, according to court documents, started running it out of his house. Wow, really? They raided they raided his house, and um, when they raided his house, they found that he was smoking marijuana, that he was. Uh, he tested positive for steroids, that he had not reported a $90,000 car, as he was required to do under the terms of his parole, and that he is uh, selling misbranded drugs that are, quote, posing a danger to the public. This is according to the parole officer. So this is one of the reasons uh, he was taken into custody. There was the equivalent of a preliminary hearing on uh, Wednesday the 8th, I believe, and uh, there's going to be a final hearing on, I believe, the 28th of this month that's going to determine whether or not he remains uh, in jail for the remainder of his initial sentence, which is two years, I believe. And beyond that, you know, these other crimes that he's committed, they uh, or that have been alleged, uh, they would have the ability to, of course, try him while he's in jail serving out the remainder of his initial sentence. So when you say he's a criminal, it's because there's been past crimes that are committed. He violated probation. Correct. And so as we speak right now, is he behind bars? Yes. You know? Okay, he is. Well, wow. He's, uh, the, the, the government argued that he was a flight risk. And because in the previous, he was convicted of fraud uh, in the mortgage scheme, and he fled to Ireland. And he, when he after he was arraigned, he, he fled to Ireland and then got busted in Ireland for selling ecstasy. Uh, believe it or not, uh, and after that was extradited to the United States, got a, got a uh, a sentence that Mr. Cavell's own words was on the lower end of the sentencing guidelines. Got out in two years under supervised release, and part of those terms are you can't do drugs, you can't you have to report everything because he had to pay back 7.4 million to the he originally defrauded. So that's why there's a reporting requirement for all the money that's being made. But he didn't do that apparently. Uh, according to his parole officer, he had the purchase of this automobile. He had $150,000 in an account at a casino in Lake Tahoe, and none of that was reported. And so he's uh, – and, of course, they found all the illicit substances, uh, and they don't detail specifically whether or not uh, they're referring to DNP or SARMs, but they go through – the parole officer goes through different categories of, of products that are being sold illicitly. And allegedly by Mr. Cavell, out of his house. Wow. Okay. And so you brought up DNP. That's something we haven't really touched on here yet either. And so, and to me, uh, if on a personal level, I'm way more concerned about DNP. Uh, I, I'd like to hear your take on that. What is the current law on DNP? Is that part of the litigation that you've been going over uh, since Nutrition Distribution does, I believe, sell some fat burners? I'm not sure if. Uh... You know, I only. There is a separate lawsuit with respect to DNP, but. Uh, they, uh, we allege in, in our complaint that they are settled, that they marketed and sold DNP through a sister website. First, it was enhanced DNP, and then they changed it for some reason to the fertilizer warehouse. The fertilizer which, warehouse. Yeah, uh, through you know, it's all linked in there. So I don't know, I don't know exactly what they were. 
who they were trying to fool there. And in fact, the, the address on when you buy the stuff is Mr. Uh, Hughes' uh, former law office. So there's a lot of evidence there that they're selling uh, DMP. And I think your viewership, to the extent that they're aware of that, I think there's really no dispute. Uh, it's it's very deadly. It's harmful. It's it's one of the reasons they passed uh, the the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act in 1933. Believe it or not, uh, because people were using this as a weight loss aid and it was leading to death. The problem with DMP is 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 obvious, but uh, the way this works on different individuals is different. And so you have someone promoting this product that might be saying, "Well, I did 500 milligrams, or I did a I did a, a gram," and you know, it has this effect of accumulating in your system, and once it's too late, it's too late. Mm -hmm. There's no way back, and you die. And again, personally, if someone chooses to take those types of risks with their life, um, that is, you know, they're taken out of the gene pool, and I think that may be better for evolution of society. The Darwin Award. <laughs> it's probably not funny to laugh about people's death, but I, I think there's enough information out there that DNP is incredibly dangerous I don't think there's enough uh, and certainly you don't think there's enough I, I absolutely don't uh, in terms of how it creates permanent damage in terms of how it acts on your system hmm. in terms of what what I just said that it acts on different people differently based on your physiology so 200 milligrams may be perfectly fine and someone may not feel it for a few days and then they cross the threshold and then they die someone else may uh, be able to take uh, 500 750 milligrams for weeks and be fine. It's it acts on your system. Everyone's physiology is dramatically different, and that's why different steroids work differently on different people. Right. Uh, the human body is very complex, and so your play your individuals are playing Russian roulette whenever they take this. And you know it's really just sad that people are doing this for such a fickle reason, uh, just to gain a few extra pounds. It it's it's really sad, but it's not my. It's not my job to say who gets to take what. The problem here is that they're selling this product. They're, they're glamorizing it. There are posts uh, that are part of the record where uh, Mr. Hughes is calling everyone a pussy if uh, they, they don't. On the record? You know, it's like that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Have, you know, the, the other problem is you know, it has this veneer of science behind it, right? this veneer of authority. You have someone who refers to themselves as a doctor, refers to this as experiments, refers to uh, what they are selling in scientific terms when in fact what you have is a convicted felon and a lawyer who has no scientific training at all hawking these products uh, to unsuspecting people who want to be cool and they glamorize a lifestyle hmm. and created a cult around you know it's very appealing for young men maybe all men but uh, young men especially, right, driving around in Porsches and there's girls around and, look, I do this stuff. And, and you're easily drawn to that uh, when you're at a vulnerable age especially. So uh, just opining on it outside of the case, it's it's a really sad phenomenon that they, you know, in my mind, would seek to take advantage uh, of that and create this devout following uh, and, and, and really not – being responsible or taking any responsibility for what they're doing, just cashing checks, and that's wrong. Wow. Uh, so, have you seen any like major adverse events with any of the SARMs or DMP on any of like enhanced athletes' social media or old YouTube comments or uh, forum, anything like that? 
they have referenced on their own social media that there have been 35,000 customers, I believe, mm-hmm. and that uh, there's only been one death. Well, really? Um, so they, there has been a death of their products? I, I don't know myself, but I know that they've, um, Mr. Hughes has indicated that. Wow, okay. One adverse event, and that's, that's what I remember seeing. Um, there was a death recently in Ohio of a 21-year-old man, and um, they took action on that. That was being sold on Reddit. Uh, there's been a lot of deaths in around the world around it. Most of them are healthy people. Um, some of them are healthy young bodybuilders. So, you know, for people who say, "Well, it's just a, it's a, it's a skinny girl and acts differently," it's it's really there's so much misinformation. And reading some of the posts, they'll even say things like, "Well, if you take uh, antioxidants, you'll be fine." I mean, it's such a, it's not supported by science whatsoever, and it is so dangerous that uh, it's crazy that anyone would ever do it, and the only reason someone would do it is because they are not aware uh, of the consequences. Mm. And again, if, if they are aware and they want to do it, it's not my job. And again, if these people want to do it, this is not even what we're seeking in these cases, but as, as a public service announcement, I will share uh, what I just shared, just based on what I know researching it based on this case. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I, I guess one of the issues I have with not like lawyers yourself or whatever, but the whole situation with what nutrition distribution is doing, it seems like everyone's playing whack-a-mole and you're just going after one company after another, after another, and it's never going to end. And so it almost just seems like a money grab in a way. Like, isn't there a better way of approaching this? Like maybe going, are there certain contract manufacturers maybe that are capping and bottling this stuff? Like uh, how is it getting into the country? How's it getting synthesized? Are there, are there different uh, ways to go after the, uh, after the snake's head a little bit better than just playing whack-a-mole with various companies. Cause I know you, uh, nutrition distribution has sued a ton of different companies. They, I don't know. It just seems like, uh, there's a, a, a lower level that can be snipped. Correct. And if, if I had a 150 person law firm, maybe it would be different, but, uh, I've got a 12 person law firm. So, um, we, and again, it's not our job to do this. You know, what we've been able to do, thankfully, with companies like Enhanced Athlete is create enough awareness so that the FDA does take action. It's certainly not our goal, uh, but um, we've been able to eliminate products from the marketplace entirely. And there's only so much you can do. Um, and yes, there's certainly a, I'm not trying to wrap myself in the flag or, or say that I'm just a noble white knight. There's a commercial component like uh, lawyers, lawyers are expensive and you know, there isn't uh, no one's driving a Ferrari on this end. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> well, according to them, you are a one percenter, and uh, uh, and, well, and many of the emails said that you're an elitist. If only that were true, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could tell you that um, I'm not in the one percent of uh, income. I could tell you that, um, maybe in uh, other respects, but um, uh, certainly they they took full advantage of. Uh, the fact that I graduated from Harvard as if that makes me like a bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's just where I went to school. I, you know, I don't see why that makes me a villain. Um, but yeah, there's cer- this certain perception that um, I'm represent a certain set of values that are, are not true in real life, but we have to do a job. And getting back to your question, though, I think what we can do with our set of resources is. Uh, confront this type of advertising when it exists, ensure that 
it's more truthful and sure more, um, a better playing field. Uh, criminal stuff obviously is the province of the DEA and the FDA and local mm -hmm. law enforcement. It's not something we do. So what we do is necessarily limited, but we've been very successful in uh, certainly creating awareness about this and eliminating certain products from the marketplace entirely. And um, so I'm proud of our efforts in that way. Um, it's a work in progress, and it's not going to have perfect results. And if I told you that I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart or just to help people, it wouldn't be truthful. Um, there's, you know, there there's a, a commercial reality to this, and uh, you know, that's just that's just the way it is. Uh, but companies that try to try to run and hide are going to be a lot worse off than companies that come to the table with us and tell us and try to reach a resolution. Again, our objective is not to put someone out of business, ruin someone's life, ruin someone's livelihood. People make mistakes, uh, and I think when the facts are out there, I, th I don't think it's hard to be on the same page. I think it's everyone knows what's going on, and, and it's pretty easy to reach a resolution. In fact, we haven't had a problem up until you know a couple cases recently, really. Mm -hmm. and yeah, you know, the, this one in Iron Mag Labs, it seems like, have been the biggest... Public, you know, those have, most public battles. Yeah, I mean, those are also some of the bigger companies that are less incentivized to stop. Uh, and again, there there's been a reluctance from, the, from their council to reach a resolution, which oftentimes they assume is um, shut down your business, and or or or, or else. And that's uh, it's never really been our position. Mm -hmm. Part so of the relief. Interesting. So as of right now, uh, Enhanced Athlete, Tony's in Thailand, Scott's behind bars. Is the company functional at all? Like, are you able to speak? Do you know, like, are they still in operations at all? Or is it pretty much done for now? I, I really don't know at okay. this point. Um, yeah. I, well, last time I checked, I think uh, they were accepting only Bitcoin and Ethereum. So, I mean, that's should tell you something right yeah. and so it <laughs> but, seems like uh yeah i'm guessing like I'm, I'm guessing that it would be within nutrition distribution's best you know when trying to settle they're trying to get at least a little bit of money um if that is the case i don't i don't see that happening i think it, once it's in the bitcoin area i'm not sure how the, how far the government gets involved or anything but i i almost consider that money as good as gone in, in that aspect but i mean you might well, have other opinions that's not really true. I mean, the uh, DMP uh, case I was telling you about earlier where the guy died in Ohio was all done through Bitcoin. The government was able to unpack it and find the person who did it. Oh, really? It, so. Okay. Yeah, it is, yeah, people, it's not anonymous, so. It's not anonymous, and people are under the impression that it's some sort of cure-all. But Bitcoin is encrypted, but the government has the ability to <laughs> unwind actions. Gotcha. Uh, as simple as that. And they're able to do that with Silk Road, which is a great example. But oh, yeah, uh, right. was... happened just recently with this fellow on Reddit who sold DMP that led to someone's death and they were able to find him pretty swiftly. Um, so I don't think it's, it's going to be a cure all and I don't know where the government investigation is at uh, with respect to enhanced athlete, but, um, that's not something, that's not a stone. I think that they will leave unturned. Um, so it just kind of is what it is. Gotcha. So looks like in terms of, uh, what you've set out to do, you've had some serious success as of recently, or at least the government has had some success as of recently. But uh, but Tony's got 
well, I would say like around 55 or so days before he would have to show up for deposition before they would, uh, I guess, default or whatever the word may be. And that may be the next step where we'd, where we'd have to at least uh, update our blog post and get a little bit going on that on that end of things. That's what we're kind of waiting on right now. Correct. Yeah, the cases are ongoing uh, despite the fact that Mr. Cavell is in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cases move forward. Um, you know, their option, they have options. I mean, they could all file for bankruptcy and then we'd have to pursue them in the bankruptcy court or something like that. And but, would you do that? I mean, that's your strategy. You probably don't want to get into it. But. That's a strategy question, but, uh, <laughs> you know, again, it's not our objective to like ruin someone's life. It's, this is not, even though I've been personally attacked and I mm-hmm. feel that I'm the victim of a crime and targeted, uh, this is not a case where, uh, I want to ruin someone's life or want to continue this on. It doesn't make sense. Um, that being said, the, this case will, will move forward and, you know, we have every right to, to, to obtain the evidence that we need to prove what we've set out to prove. And so that just doesn't stop just because the CEO goes to prison or whatever. Gotcha. Has anyone from your law firm quit since this all happened? Did they, did they just like nope out of the whole situation and say, I'm out of here? No, I'm a very good boss. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. That's what they tell me to my face. Anyways. Awesome. So you, you have one partner in the firm or how is that? Like my, my partner is a uh, graduate of me at Harvard. Mm-hmm. You know, we started the firm about three years ago. Um, and, you know, we've, this is not all we do. I mean, we, we do defense cases in the supplement world and uh, we do business cases as well. So it's not that. Uh, our firm is dedicated to this. Certainly, this is what's gotten the most attention, uh, because you know, just ordinary uh, litigation is just not all that interesting. <laughs> but uh, here you have a case where uh, enhanced athlete, anyways, people are involved, and obviously, it's had an impact on our firm in terms of their harassment. And um, so, it's been of interest. But our firm does a lot of different stuff. So, um, you know, it's largely there. The, the case is largely. It's taken up a, a lot of uh, conversation by the water cooler, but uh, we're still we have we have a, a pretty uh, robust business to run with with many different fronts, and so you know it's not it's not something that is taking up too much of our time overall. Mm-hmm. And so, um, <laughs> being that you're in California, are, are you armed right now or unable well, to do so? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not allowed to share that. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, I, I had one other question and but California does allow for concealed carry. What was that? California allows for concealed carry. That's true. It's just a little more difficult to get it. Well, you're, uh, so you're in Los Angeles, right? Correct. Okay. And so, um, are you taking on new business if there was someone to need your of services? Of course, we're always taking on new business. Um, I think every lawyer on the planet is taking on new business. <laughs> no matter what. Okay. And so here's a question, uh, this, and this comes more towards price plazas. So price plaza is a price comparison site. We've never listed, uh, we've never listed enhanced athletes products, but way back we did have, you know, it's an automated system. We did have SARMs on the site and we actually did get a takedown notice on, uh, Osterine from GTX, which immediately those pages, you know, I may disappear. I don't want to deal with any of that. Um, but as, from a, an affiliate perspective, cause that's kind of our business model, we aren't physically actually I have no inventory. We have we basically just traffic brokers. Like we send you to Amazon.com. Whatever you buy there, we get a commission on. Uh, and so, uh, what about the people who are like kind of brand representatives like that or affiliates? 
can they ever get pulled into these kind of cases? Like, what if we accidentally still had a SARM on our site and it was purchased through us? Like, would you come after us as well? Or like, you know, how would that, do you know how the law works in that, that regard? Yeah, I know how the law works. So, uh, anyone who's profiting from sale of, of products that are falsely advertised are potential targets. It's not been our focus because most of the times affiliates, uh, the primary targets for us are individuals who know exactly what they're doing and they're propagating uh, these messages and it's and it's harming the marketplace. And typically, uh, marketing entities don't fall into that category. That being said, uh, under the law, so it's not a focus for, it hasn't been a focus in terms of these cases, but mm-hmm. uh, under the eyes of the law, um, that there is potential liability. That's my understanding. Understood. Yeah, and that that was why I removed the uh, the Osterine and all the SARMs as, as fast as I could. I got that letter. I didn't even if it, you know we're not selling it. I didn't want to deal with it. And that's it's not the primary objective here. So that's a wise approach. And unfortunately, some people who enter their business they they may not know they may not know any better. Right. And you know for those people, you know, they're less culpable. Quite frankly. Um, the people who don't know any better, once they're educated, they do seem to be the ones that would like at least settle, though, is what I'm kind of gathering. But Correct, because I think in the, at the end of the day, you're running a business, and if you're a business person, you would look at this from a business perspective and not uh, anything else. And I think if, if it falls into another bucket, then that's when you start to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, Robert, yeah, I don't have any other further questions than that. I kind of finished off with one that was more in personal nature anyway there. So um, I... I really do uh, appreciate all your time and everything and would uh, welcome you to have you on here. We will, of course, have to do a little bit of editing to make sure I, uh, from our little Skype snafus there, make sure this looks good and everything. Um, But yeah, if you have any final words that you'd like to say to the audience, uh, feel free to do so right now. Um, uh, Nothing to share. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come on, like I said, and just uh, provide our narrative and so that, uh, you know, we're not just dispatching uh, letters and, and complaints, and people think we're villains. Mm-hmm. But that that there could be, you know, a more so, so robust feeling about what we're trying to do here, and that we're reasonable people. Um, and you know, we've been characterized in a way that's been harmful, I think, for the debate uh, about these products online, let alone the marketplace. So I appreciate the opportunity to be on. No problem. Yeah, this is YouTube, and right now the loudest voice wins, and I think we all know who the loudest voice in the room has been. So. Uh, we don't have as many subscribers, but we're we're happy to get this video up here and at least have people hear both sides of the story. And uh, since we don't sell you the thing, I, it doesn't of course you know I I am more a little bit on that libertarian streak too. But uh, I if I've learned one thing here, it's that we do need to better educate people so that they can make their decisions. If they do choose to go into those crazy areas, there's not going to be a total stopping of them. But I'm going to have to look into the whole DMP thing and see if it might be. Uh, you know, helpful that we wrote an article about that as well, because that is one thing that I definitely have an issue with. So, and personally, you may be surprised, but I share those viewpoints uh, with respect to libertarianism. I, I don't think the government, as long as people are informed, uh, should be involved in decisions with respect to what you want to do with your body. And I think that's part of individual liberty. But I do think that needs to be balanced with protecting people that are innocent. And right now, this is the balance that we're trying to strike. And, the, and that, that loud voice has gotten a little bit too loud over the actual personal Correct. choice slash research that I like to see at least. Correct. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, Robert, <laughs> thanks again. Uh, I think uh, now, now is a good time as ever to, to sign up, but we'll definitely be uh, updating the, the, the blog post and I want to stay in touch and everything because you know once we start talking about these cases and once we start talking about uh, posting about the, the lawsuits, like including the Iron Mag Labs one, that's actually how we began emailing. Uh, it, it's it, it, you know, Once I have a post up there, I need to keep it update, up to date. So I appreciate your help in that. But uh, as always, I do get kind of, we do try to get comment from the other side as well. So try to keep it as unbiased as we can and let users make their own choice. But it was pretty clear that you needed to tell your side of the story. And so there it was. And that's uh, kind of what happened. And it's been, I'd say, a, a pretty wild six months. And now everyone can see why. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm happy to get our side out there. And, you know, it's it's been definitely been a unique case. And uh, I don't anticipate to encounter this type of situation again. But one thing I've learned in law is like you never know what's going to happen next. So yeah, you can also hope for the best. So all right, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you can subscribe to our channel here on PriceBot, and we will stay up to date. Check out the blog post that we'll have linked in the description. I will have the uh, the PDFs in the description as well. So thanks once again, and we look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, See you next time.